FLW Fantasy Podcast. I'm Will and I'm with my co-host Liam. How are you going, Liam? Well, I am very excited. This is, again, another interv- another podcast where we have an incredible interview with a hyper-relevant Absolutely. player. Absolutely. So we are now into options. day three of our Clubs in Day series and we are talking the Carlton Blues today. Liam, do you want to give us a bit of an overview of Carlton? I can, um, and I take absolutely no pride in doing this as a lifelong Bomber supporter, but Carlton were not great last year. They finished 2-6-2 two, and two with the unique quirk that I had actually forgotten about until I was doing pod notes for this. They had back-to-back draws during the season, and the week was, prior... I was about to say, who was that against? Sorry, win <laughs> ...against Essendon, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was against Essendon. I was I was there at the game. Thank you. Uh, and so, yeah, they they really did struggle for the beginning of the year. Had some close losses, if that's a good thing, in the back end of the year against final sides in Richmond and the Western Bulldogs. But I'd say the big note to come out of last season is the fact that Daniel Hartford is gone, and in comes Matthew Buck. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the most Rachel major coach. in of their whole uh, team. But we'll now talk a bit about the the changes in the actual playing squad. Uh, so who's come in and who's come out? I'd say the main in is Harriet Cordner of kind of known big names coming from Richmond off an ACL injury. And then in the major outs, there's a swath of players who had bulk minutes last year. So mm. number one, you've got Lucy McAvoy heading always off to Swans. Then you've got Nat. Yeah, number two draft pick going up to Sydney to be a mid-forward by the sounds of it. And then also in their back line, they've lost Brooke Walker and Nat Plain. And then as much as she didn't necessarily have a massive fantasy impact, Aliso Day stepping out of that midfield does mean that some CBAs and midfield presence mm, absolutely. also and, uh, left. Speaking of those CBAs, we were incredibly lucky to have a very important uh, fantasy-relevant interviewee for this episode. Liam, who did we get? Well, again, you probably looked at the, uh, the name of this podcast at this point, but Brianne Moody was very kind to come join us this week for an interview. And it is always great to have a player to come on, but it's even better when they are the number one fantasy ruck and also the yeah, number one ruck as well. Fantastic player. Absolute ripper interview as well. So we'll just throw straight into it. Brian Moody, enjoy. Quick word from here in the editing booth. Due to a change in our episode planning, this episode will now have two interviews. The first is the one you just heard Will talking about, that being the one where Mel and I got to sit down and have a chat with hyper-fantasy-relevant number one ruck in the comp of Brianne Moody. However, at the end of this episode, there will also be another interview with the highly relevant fantasy defender, Harriet Cordner. She hopped on the mics with Will and Mel earlier in the preseason to talk about her journey across town from the Tigers at Punt Road to the Blues at Icon Park. This means, firstly, you'll probably hear a couple of references during our top five most relevant chat to our conversation with Harriet, 
And it also means you should definitely stick around past the standard goodbyes and social handles for our interview and make sure you get to enjoy all of our content with Harriet. Alrighty, again, we're going to jump straight into the interview with Brianne. Enjoy. How's it going, everyone? Today, I'm joined special guest Brianne Moody, uh, the inaugural ruck for Carlton with 57 games under her belt. Brianne, how's it going? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. And yeah, that was a very nice introduction. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. How, so we're kind of like one to two weeks into pre-season, maybe three. How's that going? Yeah, third third week of pre-season. Um, now it's going really well. We obviously had a lot of change in the off-season and end of last season. So it's good that we've um, we've got a full squad, full coaching panel. Um, it kind of feels like a new club, which is actually nice after being there for um seven heading on eight seasons so um yeah really really good vibes around the club at the moment yeah that must be that must be huge kind of before we jump too far into into what this season's going to look like you uh, i don't know if you're aware but you had a, a bit of a statistical improvement in in season seven um and you you've actually now jumped to number one all time in aflw hitouts. um did you feel like that was, and, and also I think you might have doubled your goal tally last year as well. Is that something that, <laughs> did, so. <laughs> did you did you notice that kind of during the year or did you feel like it was like really you stepping into your best year or did you feel like that was just kind of what happens in, in some seasons, particularly with goal kicking in, in your shorter seasons? Yeah, honestly, I, I didn't feel too much different last year. Um, we've got a really great team behind us. We we had a really great team behind us in terms of um, high performance, and um, thankfully for us, they've they've continued on. When I suppose there's been a lot of other change happening at the club, but yeah, year on year, I've just uh, kept working on I suppose improving my fitness, and along with that comes extra time on the ground, um, improved skills. So yeah, whilst in the moment I didn't notice a massive change, I think um, I knew that my fitness increasing year on year and the skills, like I said, would, would sort of help me elevate um, last year's season and, and hopefully will continue to do so as I, as I get fitter. But um, yeah, I think I, I was tagged in something about the hit outs and I might be maybe like seven hit outs off a thousand or, or something like that in the AFLW. So yes. So um, I was having a look into this and there's two different numbers out there. I was like, oh, okay. this is very important because you're so close to 1,000. One says 992 and one says 991. And I was like, oh. oh. Okay, well, I'll, I'll make sure I get the, uh, I'll make sure I get nine or 10 in at least in, in round one. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be so The other crazy exciting. thing is there's like a, a, a group of you all within about 30. So I think it's you, Aaron McKinnon, and I'm just trying to pull up the last one as well. Uh, All right, there's a bit of a race then. There is a bit of a race to (laughs) 1,000. Oh, yeah, you, Emma King, and Aaron McKinnon are all within 16 of each other. Um, Wow, close. Aaron's at 975982. So it really will be a race, and it may actually come down to who plays the first game in round one. No, fingers crossed me. (laughs) Um, You mentioned it right off the bat, which is, Obviously, a lot of change. There's a new coach in 2023, Matthew Buck, and who's coming to replace longtime Ted head coach Dan Harford. Yep. Um, kind of what changes can we expect to see in 2023 and what's it been like for you in these first few weeks and, and through the off-season with the new coach? 
Yeah, I think we're still yet to sort of know the answer to that ourselves. There has been so much change, so it's it's hard to know um, what to expect. But I think with that comes almost a, a lack of expectation or um, it is sort of like a fresh start. So there's not as much pressure or definitely not as much perceived pressure anyway. it's We've got, yeah, I think five or six new players to Carlton. Our whole coaching panel is new. We've got new staff that are directing us around the club. So, yeah, I think um, being one of the the players that have been there for a long time, uh, I can confidently say that I haven't felt this positive or this excited for a long time, which I think is a really good thing. But, yeah, also I think the the fact that there isn't much pressure on us is, is going to probably work to our favour a little bit too. Um, it's going to give the young ones an opportunity to sort of step up and, and have a crack. And um, yeah, I think we're all just excited to get started and to keep working on the game plan and the foundations that Maddie Buck's come in and, and set with us in the first couple of weeks and yeah, just see where it takes us. I can imagine there's there's been a lot of change in that roster in the last couple of years. And, and obviously there's a whole bunch of biggest rookie draft class this year as well. So I think yeah, potentially Carlton, Carlton and Fremantle had a group um, and it, yeah. it was the same from last year. So it's going to be fascinating to see, uh, as you said, what actually filters through to, to round one through the season of, of what sounds like a huge change. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's still very exciting too. So you mentioned like space for some of the young ones, uh, noting that you are one of the old ones. I mean, one of the originals of which is only a, a couple left now. I think you and you get pound uh, started in 2017. Yeah. Yeah, just the three. Yeah, just the three. I think Darcy's Darcy's got a couple, um, a couple on me. So I think um, they're on fifty nine. Um, but yeah, for so long, I I continue to feel like one of the young ones at the club, and I, I've finally started started to accept that <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not anymore. Eight <laughs> season until it's, it's gonna hard to feel like oh, I'm a new face. I, I'm yeah. new here. I'm young. <laughs> yeah it's funny. so I, I guess like <laughs> leading on from that you you've felt like a young one for a while but actually like you've been there for a lot longer than some of the others and you've got some amazing fresh talent that we've seen over the last couple of years like Mimi um Mimi Hill coming in absolutely smashing it Abby Mackay last season um how have you felt that transition from being like one of the ones that's getting like coached and developing I guess into like one of the ones that's seeing this younger talent coming through and like imparting the wisdom on them yeah, I definitely don't see myself as one who no longer needs coaching or anything like that. I, I um, am definitely still catching up to or feel like I'm catching up to the likes of Darcy and Gab who I've played with um, for the last seven seasons. But I think I'm also um, what's helped the transition is being able to lean on and learn from some of the young ones too. Like I I didn't play any junior footy and very little women's footy before I actually got into the AFLW. So the skills and the talent and the excitement that they sort of bring through their through their junior game to, to the women's competition is, um, yeah, something that I love to watch and I can take a lot from. So, yeah, I definitely don't sit back and, <laughs> and try to teach them a thing or two. I, I almost absorb everything that, that they're doing and try and figure out if there's a way that I could be as agile or as speedy as um, 
some of the young ones coming through because they they definitely bring an exciting brand of footy. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we love doing is um, chatting to like the recent draftees and especially we've we've chatted to a few this upcoming season, hearing about so many of the different pathways, but the ones that get into it so young and they go through these like they never have to stop playing footy, they're kind of like 13, 14 yeah. onwards, straight into these elite pathways and how they're kind of getting into footy now. And then, I mean, you're only 26, right? Like not, not particularly uh, <laughs> aged or anything, but in comparison to like years of playing footy, um, did you have like when did you kind of did you start playing footy as a kid and did you have to stop for a certain period of time and then kind of what age did you get back into it? Yeah, so I actually had a very, very unorthodox um journey to footy and it was very much one of riding horses in the paddock and I don't know, really there wasn't much footy in, in, in my journey at all. Um <laughs> I have got two sisters, Celine, you mentioned earlier, um, who's my twin, and we've also got an older sister, Cara, who's um, a couple years older. And, yeah, growing up, I think if mum and dad had have been describing us to their friends, you probably would have thought they had three sons. We were competitive, tackling each other, throwing punches around the house, um, playing every single sport you could think of. But, yeah, footy just wasn't really one that we gravitated to um, too much and I think that's really because not many girls did when we were going through school um Celine actually did play a, a season of juniors um with our local team Belgrave South I think halfway through primary school but again she was the only girl on the team so as much as they tried to accommodate for her she just thought it's not fun none of her friends are playing yeah. um so she she stuck it out for the season and then went back to whatever sports her, her friends were playing um but I didn't actually um, have a taste of footy until high school. And again, all girls school um, wasn't really much footy going on, but we're very fortunate to have a, a sports teacher or a yeah, head of sport at the time who thought if we're going to have a crack at, at women's footy, um, now's the time. I think we had yeah a, a couple very sort of athletic and competitive year levels. So he thought that... Um, that was sort of the time and place to do it when he had the Moody girls and there were some other um, quite athletic families there. So very fortunate that he put a team together and we were able to get a, get a bit of a taste of um, AFL whilst at school. But, yeah, still didn't actually sign up to a club uh, until I'd finished high school. So I was 18. Um, my older sister, Cara, had started playing out at Cranbourne after school. So I followed her out there and played my first season the same year of the inaugural draft so yeah I was just doing the math I was like oh hang on yeah happened um very quickly but yeah played a season with um Cranbourne in in the VFL and very fortunate to get drafted at the end of that season yeah just yeah. the and and we were just talking about it like the complete difference that that is to you know the recent draftees where it's like now nah, we've we've played 13 through to 18. Oh, they've probably time. played, they've played more, more years, years than I have. As, yeah. as, basically <laughs> as many minutes of, of organised football as you have. Yeah. And that kind of leads me on to something I wanted to ask about. Like you particularly being a ruck are probably in a position where you are guided by the running patterns and the movements of both the coaching staff. But then in this Carlton midfield, a lot of younger players who probably played a little bit more junior footy, what yeah. is that like for you? And is that kind of what you were alluding to 
when you say kind of learning a bit off them and, and their craft so you can mould your game and your craft around it? Yeah, I think we've got a really great um, setup in Carlton in that it is quite a young midfield and um, we've sort of had to grow together over the last couple of years and we still have a lot of growth to come. But exactly right, we, we know each other's strengths um, and then, yeah, out on the field we're just sort of trying to work with that to figure out the best plays or the best game style for us. So, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, Mel, having the likes of Abby McKay and Mimi Hill in there definitely makes my job a lot easier. And um, by learning how they like to receive the footy and where they go once they've got the footy um, enables me to get better at where I try to put the footy to get it to them and um, vice versa. They're able to learn off my style. So, um, whilst there's yeah varying ages, I think in terms of footy experience, we're all um, somewhat on the same path. So, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting that I get to go out on the track with them nearly every second day and learn from them and um, see how they, they go about their um, footy and, yeah, and try and implement some of that into my game. Yeah, and I w- we've got to ask because season six was the explosion of Mimi Hill. We kind of saw yes. her come in and run <laughs> four and just dominate like, She'd been doing it for half a decade. Yeah. And then last season, Abby Mackay was, you know, had a real explosion in her output and 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 her impact. And for those of our listeners are very aware of Abby Mackay because she was a favourite in the fantasy community for her very high tackling and the fact that she yes. kind of really did have that explosion. Yeah. Question to you is who is going to be that Carlton midfielder this season? Because it seems to be a trend and we want to know who the next one is. Oh, I don't know if I could tell you who who the next one is. I think um, I think there's a few young ones that are going to be rolling through that space um, with the new coaching panel. I suppose comes a new sort of um, oh, I don't know new new ideas, and um, Bucky might look at some players a bit differently to how um, to how half did. But I think the great thing about Abby and and Mim and whoever rolls there um, rolls through there with them is they bring each other up um, and I like to think I'm I'm involved in, in that no, too, hopefully nothing, a little nothing bit. Nothing to do with it. Sorry, you're tapping the ball to them, first touch, nothing. They, um, the way, yeah, the way the, that our midfield works through um, drills and everything together at training is, is elite and, yeah, Mimi doesn't go about it without bringing Abby along and, and vice versa. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's, yeah, going to be one um, in particular to keep an eye out for. I think there's going to be a few in there this year that are, yeah, going to show their skills. Exciting. Like, great to hear that there'll be could be a few. It's disappointing <laughs> that we can't have one answer to make everything easy. Uh, but fascinating to, yeah, it's really good to hear, like, just from an enjoyability of the sport to hear, like, midfield duos and, and midfield groups that perform well together make for more entertaining football to watch. So from that perspective, we love to hear it. Yeah, definitely. So um, looking at some of the players that we did lose or Carlton did lose this season or coming into season eight, um, Lucy McAvoy, uh, fairly big loss there, um, replaced with Harriet Cordner, um, though. How do you feel like uh, that swap is going to kind of fit in with the team and how's that looking going into pre-season and figuring out that, that new gameplay there? Yeah, it's always a little bit scary when you get, people leaving and you don't know who's going to come in and fill their spots. But the way Hechi or Eggsy is, she's uh, <laughs> she's well-known around the club now. 
um, the way she's fitted in has been um, phenomenal. I think um, one thing I can I can say is year on year the way our girls have welcomed new players and the connection has just been so seamless between those um, coming in and, and the ones that are already there has just gotten better and better. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what HG can bring. I, I, yeah, definitely think it's sad that, that Lucy's moved on to another club and um, there was a little bit of a void there to, to fill, I suppose, but I, I think we've definitely filled it in the talent that we've gotten. Um, HG is going to be very exciting down back for us. Yeah. And obviously Lucy was someone who was a high draft pick and, and, and Harriet's obviously from a very different background, but we, we've seen in the past what she did at Richmond. I believe she was an All-Australian in season five. So yes. Clearly, yeah. clearly not replaced. It's it's clear that you've replaced uh, with Lucy with a, with a very talented player in her own right. One quest, one final question that we ask yeah. everybody is, and it's along the lines of one I asked earlier, but obviously we'd love to know who is someone at Carlton who you think is going to have the biggest improvement this year. Who's the player you're kind of most excited to take that leap and and be someone a name that you know everybody talks about. Yeah, good question. I think I think, like I said, I reckon there's there's a couple um, that are nah, you've got just to pick one. ready. <laughs> I know, I know, but but one that comes to mind is um, Keely Skepper. Oh, she's a left nice. foot left foot weapon. Um, she's she's hard on herself at training, but she's going to be amazing to watch um, this season and in seasons to come. I was sitting in in the sauna with her the other day. She was telling me she's going to be one of the first to play. 200 or 250 games for the club and you know what I I don't doubt her um she it's loves nice, her footy yeah. long-term commitment yeah. to Carlton there that's great yeah. <laughs> love yeah. to see it um loves her footy her energy around the club is ecstatic and um yeah everything what well, everyone just lifts when she's around so um yeah I can't wait to see what she's going to bring that's fascinating because I, I remember, just where you know rookies, uh, we're always interested to see how they go when they when they first join. And, and Keely, I think, got a uh, a rising star nomination. Yep. But the most memorable thing I reckon from the first time I saw that name was a video on the Carlton website of her talking about using. I think this is Keely who uses an esky as as her fridge when she first moved to Melbourne. Yeah, you know in what? An, Probably in an with Darcy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truly, one of the funniest things I watched on the internet, uh, explaining how yeah, apparently that doesn't work for two days. You can't just use an esky with some ice cubes. Yeah, in it. look, she's she's raw. She's a country <laughs> girl. Um, but like I said, the energy she brings and some of the stuff she comes out with, you you can't help but but smile and have a laugh. And um, yeah, she's she's not only awesome to have on the field, but also off. So. Um, yeah, she's she's got a, she's got a pretty big future in footy, I think. Awesome, happy so, for the recommendation. Oh yes. <laughs> so like, it's great to hear that, even though there's been a lot of change, um, kind of some big ticket outs, new coach, all of that. That uh, you're super excited for the season that's going to come, and there's some great players you've got around you to like bring up those vibes. And uh, Carlton's going to have a great season eight, so we are super super excited for AFLW to start um, and to watch Carlton absolutely smash it this year, and to watch you. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for joining us for this interview. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's been awesome. It's got me really excited for the season. So hopefully we'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks, thank you. Bye.
Thank you so much. Wow, that was absolutely fascinating, wasn't it, Liam? It really was, and I think it does kind of speak to the interesting perspectives we get from players who've played at original AFLW clubs, mm. but as very young juniors, and then making their way through the system. So by the metrics of other sports, particularly if you just compare it to the AFL men's, not a particularly old or experienced player, but by comparison to the AFLW, very experienced, mm. bigger body, all of those kind of classic tropes you might say about a much older player. And it's a, yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating kind of path to, to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I find it also super interesting, something we said about uh, talking to Gabby Seymour last year. It's, it's fascinating talking to the Rucks because they're such a unique position. They have a very different perspective on how the game works compared to a lot of the, uh, the other players we talk to. Oh, definitely. And some of the players that we kind of talked about in that midfield will are going to be fantasy relevant again this year. But yeah, as you said, it's fascinating to think that someone's game is basically predicated on just very small movements to get it to other people. And it's so predicated on knowing exactly what it's going to be at the right time. Great interview. Fantastic person and fantastic chat. Absolutely, and you've uh, you've said the two magic words there, which are fantasy relevant. So we're going to jump straight into our one, two, three, four, fives as the Carlton's most important players that you'll be looking at for your fantasy team. So Liam, who's your number one? Yeah, so number one in my one, two, three, four, fives, or as they are better known, top five. Uh, <laughs> one to fives is a <laughs> five, <laughs> five to ones. The numbers. Uh, uh, Just trying to spice it up. Is, we, we, we've got to do eighteen of these. I'm gonna I'm gonna mix them up as much as I can. I'm <laughs> gonna throw some spice in there. Well, we're gonna talk about uh, a player we've already mentioned, and that's um, Harriet Eggy Cordner. Yeah, um, another fantastic interviewee we've had as well. Yes, again, we really have been blessed this season. So my reason for picking Harriet Cordner is quite simple. We talked about the number one player leaving being Lucy McAvoy. She's a player who averaged 50 to 60 at Carlton as a defender in the, each of the last two seasons, and she's left. And in comes Harriet Cordner. She was an All-Australian in Season 5, averaging 54 as an intercepting defender and also had the highest number of intercept marks that season. It kind of seems like a direct swap to me. Like yeah. you've lost a whole bunch of players and experience in defence, so you get an experienced defender, albeit coming off injury at Richmond. But she's that means she's going to be priced at thirty-two. Mm. And I think so. Um, I just what's the what's the downside? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, I guess the only downside, and you've you've flagged it in our notes, but we'll share it with the uh, the listeners now. New coach means things are going to change, and the back line I think for Carlton was one area that. They did throw a few players around last year, so we're not quite sure how that's going to line up. We do think Cordner's the most logical one to replace McAvoy, but you have thrown up a flag for this one. Yeah, look, I went back and listened to the episode of Credit to the Girls where they talked to Matthew, and unfortunately he's flagged the return of Karen Peterson to the back line. Even though she's been very good on the wing and has drifted in and, and been a key cog in their transition game, flagging the fact that she'll be returning as a defender so I do have some concerns about the fact that there might be another player who's the key intercepting defender, but it's probably just worthwhile noting that there's probably still enough points on offer given Cordner's going to be priced at 32. Over her career, she's averaged 41, 42. So that's still 10 points of mm. upside. 
And that's all you need for him to be a stepping stone player. Exactly. And kind of sitting in that D3, D4 area for you, that's probably in this in this year of kind of mid-priced madness. I think that's a that's a pretty sweet option, even if even if you're looking at downside for scoring, which would be 40 all the way up to kind of mid 50s. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of players in speaking of players in this back line, your number two is a really interesting one because we saw this player all over the park last year, and it was such a terrible year for a player who'd previously been very consistent. Who's number two for you, Liam? It's the AFLW Seagull, Gab Pound. Who wasn't very seagull last year. Yeah, well, that's your problem. She mm. looked so good popping up for marks, kicks, kick-ins in season six. Averaged 61 or 62 and looked elite. Kind of really pushed herself into the back end of that um, top five defenders. But then was thrown all over the park last year. Spent a bunch of time up forward and finished with some pretty grim scores in the back end of the year, finishing with the last three scores of 44, 28, and 32. We know she's got the ceiling. Even in game one, when she played full-time as a defender, she had a score of 70. I see there being 10 points of upside if she returns as a defender. And, it, and like, we're talking about a player who, you know, you know four-game stretch can have three scores above 66 and average well in excess of 70 in season six. So Gab Pound, if she's a defender again, I don't see any reason why she wouldn't go back to that kind of scoring. She's got a good kick. It all just kind of hinges on what the coach has to say. Like if if the role isn't there, then you can't touch it. But otherwise, she's a player who's done it before and will come in underpriced. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing I do want to throw up, it's probably pretty unlikely, but... Given she's played a fair bit of footy at half forward, could she be a forward and benefit from that defender role in a sort of a Lucy McAvoy in a sort of a, a Lucy McAvoy style at the start of last year? I suppose mm, that is an interesting point. Yeah, that's possible. She could. I, I I didn't look at the exact splits where she was named forward or defence, but entirely possible she'll get it. Definite she'll get one of them, which is great. It means it'll be value on either line. Um. But I don't think that the line necessarily will matter. I think it more will depend on what role oh, she's given by the coach. Absolutely. Because I guess my, my one thought is if she does get that 60 average back in your forward line, that's that's massive. That basically could be, you know, F2. We've, we've talked about the, the potential lack of forward options. So, it, it's Well, a- I, I think I would say that for the forward options, and this not to go too far ahead, I think there are a bunch of second-year players mm. for forward options, at least three. And then it's we're kind of at the whim. And, and then there's a, a certain Fremantle player who got injured on a single-digit score who could, and Gabby O'Sullivan, who could also get forward status. But I don't think necessarily at this stage the line she ends up in mm. being Gab Pound will matter. Yeah, it, it's a holy roll. Yeah. Gets a roll back. I, she, I think you could be pretty comfortable. Yeah. If, if she if she is in that back line round one, you, you're looking at a player who should increase her average considerably. And I think I think you're right. It's it's almost worth the risk to me. Um, just oh, taking a punt it, on it. it. If you get if we get a whiff in the preseason later in the preseason, and then we watch a preseason game, she's a defender. That's enough to launch on. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
We've talked a lot about the back line, which has basically been part one of Lucy McAvoy leaving. We're going to talk about part two of uh, Lucy McAvoy leaving now, which is holes in midfields. And you've got an option here who could potentially be the Abby Mackay this year. And I know that she didn't play that much mid- midfield last year, but this is sort of McAvoy and Aliso Day, those sorts of players going. You've got a player here who could be in that midfield. She's a, she's a name I mentioned when we did the Carlton episode last year alongside uh, Abby Mackay at the time, and that's Maddie Gearan. You say she didn't play much midfield. She did play in the midfield when she played. She just did her ACL in round three. Yeah, that's kind so of hard to play is, midfield. I want, I'm going to put this next bit of analysis with a steaming huge asterisk. It sounds like a Bangladesh which is to flag. Say, Shout out to Mal over it, in Tanzania. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this right big red thing in the middle. This is all if healthy. We haven't heard that much about her recovery. I know that there were some videos going around of her getting back to running kind of at the in the early, much, much earlier in the off-season. So I remain hopeful that she'll be back. The only reason I mention it is she was inside that core midfield trio to start the year alongside Mackay and then alongside Hill. Um, and she was kind of straight in there, had 50 or so percent CBAs. I think she'd be a natural candidate to take some of those over from Elise O'Day. And the other reason I mention it is her time on ground was relatively low, but her points per minute were extremely high. So even though she's going to be priced at 43, she had a points per minute like at something absurd. I'm just trying to see if I can actually... And find it. What, oh, that's what, why I can't. Just quickly while you're looking for that, I think this is something we haven't really talked about is the quarters are actually going to be slightly longer this year, which means points per minute is as relevant as it's ever been. Because if a player's got high points per minute, you're getting a few extra minutes to just put in, you know, an extra 10 points. That's a, a big thing that can can help a player move into a, a better tier of, um, of pricing and average. Again, I completely agree, but obviously it, it remains to be seen which players this might impact oh, for sure. the most. This, this was more just a, a, a general statement, yes. not necessarily yeah. Guerin, but it's something we haven't talked about across the podcast yet, but I know this came out uh, a few weeks ago. Um, so the, you the say quarters. a few weeks ago. Well, we can, we can let the, the listeners know. It, it came out a few days ago before we <laughs> recorded this. We're still processing it. Uh, I think I think if you're going to take anything away, and this is a little nugget stashed in the middle of the episode, and that's to say there are two schools of thought and neither of them are helpful. One says in the men's game, there's a lot more scoring at the back end of quarters, which suggests that you might get some higher scores from forwards. But in the alternative, at, le- at the very least anecdotally, at the back ends of quarters, there's a lot of extra chipping around as teams with leads try to pad stats and control the ball and just try to get to the end of the half. Given the amount of time in a quarter, there's going to be less. There's going to be fewer instances where you kind of only have that for 30 seconds at the end because of the sheer rate of play. I don't know which one it's going to be. Yeah. It's just something to note. But yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Matty Gearan, 53, kind of had average at like 55% time on ground, but had a points per minute of 1.37, which would put her above every single player at Carlton outside of Abby Mackay. Mm, yeah, really solid. Um, I, I think, yeah, if we hear some something that she is looking to be fit and healthy for round one, I think that's a good um, 
mid-price sort of player who can, who, who, can, who can take that average up possibly 20 points if the yeah. role is there. Yeah, I, I think that the problem now is that last season she was named as a forward and I don't know if she's going to get that this year, even off the back of those two and a half games. So as much as it might have been nice, I don't know. I think it that kind of like 40, 50 point bracket in the midfield is going to be taken up by one player and one player only, and I'm flagging it now well in advance, and that's Laura Gardner. I don't know if you can have two, but it's well worth considering watching out for Gearin if we kind of see a pop in the first few rounds. She could be someone that you need to jump on. Yeah, and at number four, you've got a player who is in a very similar mould without the ACL injury. Um, who's your number four? So number four is the player to watch, according to Brianne Moody, and that's Keely Skepper. Coming in as a relatively high draft pick, as a beautiful, beautiful left foot kick, as an outside player, going to be coming in price at 50. Mm, awkward I think pricing. The, again, it's the awkward pricing, but I feel like she did put together a run of three games at the beginning of the year with scores above 60, which for a first-year player is pretty impressive, and that was a lot of us had her in her side last yeah. year for that reason. Now, unfortunately for us, that was more a case of easy opposition because then upon hitting sides that could actually you know, not be expansion sides or play football. Um, looking at you, Fremantle, unfortunately, um, you had Melbourne and GWS where it didn't get above, score above 40. So I think it's just worthwhile watching what she can do. And it might be that it's not for our starting side, but the way, like someone like Brianne Moody, who's been so experienced at AFLW level, pointing her out as someone who really will pop this year, You've kind of got to sit and, and take notice. She's a high draft pick. She's got a great kick and clearly is a runner as well. So well worth just considering. I think the only thing that will draw her down is her awkward price. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely fair. And we've talked a bit about, you know, trying to find those mid-priced players that are going to increase her average. And I think she's a, a really good option, a really talented player. Um to finish up your top five, five in one, one to five, whatever we're going to call them this episode, you've picked, you've picked out a real uh, left field one here. Well, uh, in my this is in my Mambo position, I've got Mez Anthony, so Mariana Anthony. Um, and I talked about her in the draft, the episode as well, as being someone to watch out for. And then just before... This episode got recorded. There was an article on the AFLW website talking about how the Carlton roster is really taking great shape and, and there's a lot of um, a lot of injury problems have kind of moved away. And in there is mentioned a little tidbit about who are going to be some of the players that will cross-train between wing and inside midfielders. One of them was Emilia Vallado, who was a player I was had kind of watching with some intent last year. But the other one that got mentioned is Mariana Anthony, who played as a halfback winger at Essendon and then also at North Melbourne AFL, VFLW side this year and has a 100-point ceiling. She would come in basement priced. If she plays in that team, I think she could put together a season where she averages 40 or so. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility I'm fascinated to see whether or not she's named as a defender. It could make her a great option. Yeah, I think I think that's the, one of the keys for me. We know there's going to be quite a few midfield options around there, but a, a defender 
at basement price with a ceiling of around that 100 points, obviously in the VFL, but that's a, a fantastic option if she is in, a, in defense in particular. Yeah, or it might be that she doesn't start the season and she's someone that comes in later. Therefore, yeah, bang, we can we can bring her in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's your uh, top five, Liam. And now you know what it's time for. You get we get the wheel special. And uh, who is your ruffy? I'm gonna put. I'm gonna say this now because this is what it's typically for. <laughs> it's the ruffy outsider, usually someone who's slightly older who played this role a long time ago. So, Will, drum roll, please. I've actually gone. Picked? I've actually gone for someone not so special as my special, and I've actually gone for our interviewee, Priyan Moody, um, mainly because oh, outrageous. Mainly because uh, you've picked the, probably the best, uh, the best bolter in Marianne, Mariana Anthony as your, your number five. But um, I just think it's a bit remiss of us to not mention Brian Mooney. She's been pretty much the best um, fantasy ruck for you know two, three seasons now. Clear standout. Minor debate happens every year between us about whether you pick a premium ruck or not. And if you want a premium ruck, you're not going to find much better than Brian Moody. So if if that's the route you want to go, if you do want to pick a premium, you may as well pay up for the best. Yeah. And I have a I have a feeling that she will be a big part of the discussion when we talk about the premium rucks and roster construction because, yeah, you're never going to have to waste to trade on Brian. I think there might be a little bit of downside because... I don't know if she can have as many goals as she did last year. There's no reason to say she can't. It's just natural variance in goal scoring across a, a shorter season is is part of my reason why. But yeah. like it, I it, can't I can't fault you for yeah. it. It's a set and forget. So be it. Yeah. So be it. But I I, the, I would just like to caveat the reason why I didn't go Brianne Moody, who had been someone who'd been in my top five, is I realised we actually do need to talk about some rookie players. Otherwise, like, it's going to come to roster construction time. It's going to be like, we just, didn't talk about any of them. Just pick all your premiums. Just pick the pick your premiums. Yeah. <laughs> pick pick a, like a, 20, a roster of 2021 20, just with every yep. single player yep. priced at 35. Bow, Bowers, Marinoff, Moody, all of these ones straight in your team. Too easy. Yep. Um yeah, that, that's a really a really good summary of, of Carlton is they've got some players who really could come up big. Um, obviously, it's all guesswork as it always is at this stage of the year, but I think there's some really interesting options there for Carlton looking forward. Yeah, I think it's there's a great top two in defence, but it's all obviously dependent on the new coach. And then the rest of the three, it's you've got to be watching them because there are at least a couple of positive factors pointing towards them having some upside. Yeah. Well, we're looking for the new Abby Mackay, so hopefully one of them uh, pulls through for us. All right. So I think uh, think we might leave it there for Carlton. Uh, make sure you check out our socials. We'll have the best 21 up already for you to check out to see who we think will be in that Carlton team round one. Uh, that'll be up on our Twitter and our Instagram, which is at freekickwpod. And you can find me on Twitter at Fantasy. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at willh underscore vi. Thank you very much, everyone. We'll be having our Collingwood episode next, so tune in for that. Until then, see you later, and thanks for listening. See ya. How's it going, everyone? My name's Mel, and you're listening to Free Kick. Today, I'm joined by co-host Will, and we have a special guest, Harriet Cordner, who's coming back into Season 8 in new colours. Welcome, Harriet. How's it going? Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, it's going well. 
Um, we're sort of into the thick of pre-season training at the moment, which is nice, and I'm starting to get into most of training coming off my knee. So, yeah, going really well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, speaking of your knee injury, unfortunately had a, an ACL injury, which really meant that you not just missed one season, but you sort of missed a, a second season as well. Um, you must be feeling pretty good coming back into footy now that you're you're on the mend. Yeah, definitely. It was um, a bit of a blow to, as you said, miss the miss the first season and then miss the second one off the back of that. So I'm I'm kind of itching to go. I think the staff are getting a little bit sick of me asking if I can do everything and more. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really really looking forward to the season and and getting stuck into more. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it was any year other than 2022, it could have potentially just been one season off. But uh, because of the the double whammy there, um, very unfortunate timing for for you to be missing so many games. Um, yeah, it was. I remember, I remember getting asked a question of if if I agreed to the change of timing of the season, and it was such a hard question to answer because <laughs> for the league, for the league, I definitely did. But um, yeah, for personally. From a bit of a selfish point of view, it was it was a bit of a bittersweet change, I guess. But I guess now it's in the past and now I can move forward to season eight. Exactly. And so while it was like a whole, I guess, season and a half that you missed, it's actually only been 18 months because the time is just crazy. Um, how are you going in terms of recovery? Are you kind of working back to getting fitness now that you're healed up or have you been kind of training to get your fitness back for a while now and now it's really like game focused? um yeah a bit of so because the seasons as yeah as you touched on we sort of squeezed two seasons into one year my rehab I guess the timeline for my rehab was pretty um flexible and it kind of took off took away any real time pressure to you know try and get back at that 10 to 12 month time to to get in for the next season so in that sense that was you know that was a bit of a blessing because it meant I could slow down and really narrow my focus onto some of the really important things um, I've had probably the last six months, I've been training pretty hard from a fitness and I guess gym, gym side of things as well. Did a lot of work with, um, a guy, a Melbourne fit performance, which is based out in Footscray, a guy called Mitch Greaves, who did heaps of, who does a lot of rehab for ACL injuries, especially with the women. Um, so I did a really sort of strong six months with him before we kind of came into preseason for Carlton and. Now that I'm training with the girls and a bit more in, in the footy environment, I'm able to do a bit more, not just running around in circles around an oval, um, able to do a bit more stuff that's footy related. Um, and I'm just waiting for some final testing to sort of clear me to do some real match sim training. But I'm hoping in the next sort of two to three weeks I'll be I'll be playing or I'll be full training and doing the match sim and then ready to play practice matches when, you know, August comes. Mm, yeah, that, that's really good. Um, this is now Carlton, as we've mentioned, this is your third AFLW club. Was it a bit different coming into it, coming off the knee injury? Obviously when you came from Melbourne to Richmond, you were, you know, just basically straight into the group. Was it a bit strange coming in basically as a rehab group member or how how did that really sort of come about for you? Um, yeah, I think it was definitely different. I guess I probably moved from Richmond to Carlton. I was probably looking for for some different things that I was looking mm. for, for when I moved from Melbourne to Richmond. And they were probably a bit more around the structure of the program. Um, and I guess the medical team that I was coming in to work with mm. um, just because I've had quite a long time out of the game. Um, 
So that was sort of part, that was really what I was focusing on when I was looking for a club to move from Richmond, mm, uh, move to from Richmond. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, obviously, because that's been more, you know, I, I got traded in, what was it, May or May-ish. Um, and so I've spent a lot of time, I guess, getting to know other members of the team um, that I probably didn't get to know at the start of my time at Richmond. So in terms of that, I mean sort of the doctors and the physios yeah. and the team psych and the dietitian and those sorts of people that work a bit, probably a bit more closely with the rehabbers. Um, whereas at Richmond, cause I came in sort of fully fit and ready to go. I probably didn't get to know some of those other structures of the program until a bit later on when I did um, sustain my injury. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I guess like leading onto that shuffle uh, earlier this week, we spoke with Brianne Moody, who, by contrast, I guess, has been around Falton for quite a while, uh, one of the, the OG members. Um, and something she was talking about is how she's, having been there for so long, kind of seen the culture change a little bit over time and getting excited for like a new era of Carlton gameplay going to season eight. I guess, in comparison, you, this is your third club um, in as many years or so. Um, what are some of the, like, biggest differences you've noticed between clubs and how they I guess take on their preseason. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think um I'm definitely hearing from some of the girls, some of the OG Carlton players that, you know, they've clearly undergone a really big shift, especially probably in the last six to twelve months, um, in terms of their program and I guess where they're headed. Um, which, you know, is no secret that they did their um internal review and and that was sort of the point of doing that. Um, but yeah, in comparison, I think um, the program at Melbourne, I, I, the program at Melbourne was really, really good. I was obviously at Melbourne for four years and that was really early on in the AFLW competition. So they were sort of, that was first of all my first experience of an AFLW program, but also they were starting out brand new and sort of finding out, finding their ways and finding what worked and all that sort of thing. So I think that they laid some really, really good foundations at Melbourne in those first four years and we're obviously mm. starting to see, you know, last year them being premiers and they're obviously sort of in that window of having some really sustained success, which is what we were always going after at Melbourne. I think in comparison coming into Richmond at the time that I came in, um, you know, I came in off the back of them not winning a game in their first season and obviously sacking their coach halfway through that season and getting a new one. So I think... Um, what I noticed with Richmond is they probably were still in the process of trying to figure out what what those foundations looked like and potentially skipped a few steps along the way um, in terms of really laying a solid foundation to to build on. And I think that's what I've noticed Carlton are doing really well um, or have been doing really well ever since I came across is they've obviously decided, you know, they obviously did that review and as part of that they were prepared to make some pretty significant changes. Um and that I think for them is about laying the foundation for to have some really real sustain, sustained success over the you know next ten to fifteen years in the AFLW competition. Not really, not just looking at short term, um, short term things. So it has been really interesting to see how all three clubs have done it differently. Um, and I guess I'm also, you know, I'm seven years older than I was when I first started at Melbourne. So I obviously probably look at the programs from a different lens now as well, being a bit older and a bit more of a mature athlete probably. Um, I appreciate different things in the program that I might not have appreciated when I was 24. Um, so, yeah, it's been yeah, it's, it's been interesting to be able to be a part of three different programs. Yeah, very cool. I was trying to find a, um, 
statistics, they've got them very easily available for the men's of like how many players have been in three different clubs or four different clubs. And I was trying to find a account for the AFLW so I don't have to go count them all up myself. Um, and it's not <laughs> out there yet, but I reckon uh, I reckon there's only a handful or so maybe that have had three different clubs in the that have also started in 2017. So pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know what that figure would be. Let me know if you ever find out. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to dig into it and see what we can find. <laughs> just go yeah. judge like Sarah Black or someone and be like, hey, this would be cool. Can yeah, she, yeah, Sarah Black probably this? knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other things we heard from the chat with Brienne earlier this week is that your nickname is now Egg. Is this true? Can you please <laughs> she explain what, that? <laughs> yeah, she just dropped it in there and then I was like, uh, I'm not going to ask a follow-up question because I knew I was chatting to you later anyway. <laughs> um, what's that about? Well, I really do love hard-boiled eggs as a snack. <laughs> um, so it's really, it's basically exactly what it sounds. I came to the club and I was like, you know, I'd be going from doing my running session, going into the gym, and I'd just be cracking a hard-boiled egg and peeling it. And then the girls sort of started saying, like, how, how many eggs do you eat a day? You know, just asking a few questions. And I do eat probably about five or six hard-boiled eggs every day oh that's impressive it's been i've now caught up with the dietitian and she said it's okay so excellent now I, don't have, what, I don't have to pretend that's the important thing uh, exactly um and so yeah it just sort of picked up that i'd be called eggsy now um and we're just rolling with it and i'm i'm pretty happy with it i've always been h at both my other clubs and it's a bit boring so yeah. i quite like eggsy yeah, Exe is a bit bit original as well. I quite yeah, like that, exactly. Actually. It's got a bit of a story behind it, so that's nice. Yeah. So now you're going to have to just ask people similar to Wheat Bix, be like, so how many hard-boiled eggs do you do in, in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, so just going back to, to Carlton, um, so Carlton lost Lucy McAvoy in the off-season and she was playing predominantly as a intercepting defender. Um, then, of course, you come over, one of your strengths is intercept defending. Is that sort of a going to be likely where you're going to play for Carlton? Are you going to slot into that um, intercept defending role? Is that how you how the coaches have explained your role to you? Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be that sort of. I feel like that's one of uh, my strengths in my game is my intercept intercept marking, and it's definitely where I like playing my footy best. So. That's, we haven't, as I said before, I haven't really been in a huge amount of match sim just yet. So I haven't been able to kind of um, start sort of integrating in that part of the team. But that's, yeah, as far as the conversations that I've had with the coaches, that's sort of what where they see my strengths lying and and probably, yeah, where I'll, where I'll slot in. Yeah, nice. Um, and as well as coming in to take on that kind of intercept defender role, um, having a look online, uh, I see that you've also kind of been recruited for your leadership capabilities. So I guess coming across from Richmond as a uh, co-vice-captain, I believe, um, and I guess filling the, not quite filling the shoes, but, you know, slotting into uh, a gap where there was a, a strong player before in Lucy McAvoy. Um, what are you enjoying about kind of the the coaching opportunities that you've had at, or sorry, leadership opportunities you've had at Richmond? And are you finding similar opportunities here already at Carlton? Yeah, I think um, I was, yeah, really obviously privileged to be a co-vice captain at Richmond. I think I definitely came into Richmond at a time where they were really seeking some experience. And um, as I touched on before, I came in after them having a season where they didn't win a game. So I think for them, that was a big attraction, just getting someone who'd been in a really elite program before. Um, you know, I had trained under Daisy was my captain and Paxi was my vice captain. And Elise O'Day was my other vice captain. So some really elite, elite um 
athletes and footballers. Um, so I definitely think that that really good experience at Richmond, I guess, being sort of given a bit more responsibility um, and sort of forced me to to develop some areas of my um, of my game and come out of my shell a little bit more, which was, I guess, part of my reasoning for looking for a move from Melbourne in the first place. I wanted a little bit more responsibility um, in that space. I think obviously now I have had a seat, you know, 18 months out of the game um, with with my injury. So I'm, I'm enjoying both at Carlton, both being able to still sort of, um, I guess, still train with really high standards, which is something that has sort of attracted um, or sort of uh, meant people have, have seen me as a bit of a leader just because of the way that I train and the way that I apply myself, um, I guess, as a high performer and an athlete. So I'm enjoying that aspect and we've got some really young girls at Carlton and, and a lot of them are really eager to learn. So I'm really enjoying that aspect, but I'm also enjoying being able to just, I guess, put my head down and focus on getting back to playing footy. So I think I found a really good balance now with I've had the experience at Richmond where I was really called upon to lead. And then I've also had the experience at Melbourne where I probably learnt off some of my peers that I mentioned before. So I'm finding that at Carlton, there's a really good balance. The coaches have like, sort of giving me my space to just find my feet again in the game and, and come back um, bigger and better than I was before. But then also I'm noticing that some of the younger girls are sort of feeding off some of those standards that I talked about before and, and wanting to learn a bit from me adding boiled eggs to their diet and that sort of stuff. So. <laughs> that's, that's the key to leadership is uh, the boiled eggs, I assume. Um, yeah. But uh, something that, that I'm actually interested about from the leadership side of things is um, Carlton actually do have a lot of their leaders down back in um, Captain Karen Peterson. Gab Pound um, is also um, one of the leaders down at the club. Have you got had much of a chance to to work with them and – is it has it been a bit different working with a, a a backline group that's filled with leaders? I mean, not most clubs would have backline leaders, of course, but in this case, there's actually the captain down there. Is that something that's a bit different for you? Yeah, definitely. Because as I said before, you know, Daisy um, was my captain at Melbourne, and when I when I was playing with her, the three seasons I played with her, obviously she had one out being pregnant, but the other three she was playing in the midfield. So I've probably always been. Um, one of the more senior or more leaders throughout the back line. I was at Richmond as well. Um, so I haven't really had the chance to experience that yet with Kez just because I haven't been in a lot of the match sim yep. um, stuff. But I've I've still been able to, you know, work with her in, in some of the smaller drills. Um, and I'm really looking forward to being able to play next to someone like her because not only is she does she have really good footy knowledge, but she I just love the way she applies herself to the game too. So I feel like that will be um, – yeah, a really great opportunity for myself and, and for the other girls in the back line. But, um, yeah, to play alongside people like Kez and Gab who who really see the game really well and, and they're also really good. Um, the way they deliver messages and, and sort of explain things that they're seeing is also really good. So I think we'll be able to form a pretty formidable back line from the, from the group that we've got. Excellent. Yeah, nice. Um, the... Final question that we like to ask all of our interviewees is um, if there's a player to watch in your squad that's going to have an explosive season eight, who would it be? Um, and so we Ooh. asked Brianne this earlier and she said Keely Skepper. Um, I wonder from your perspective, is there anyone in Carlton's back line that's going to have an explosive season eight? Oh, in Carlton's back line. You are also allowed to say yourself. 
<laughs> or a different line. No, I won't, I won't be doing that. I would, the first person that came to mind, she's not in the back line. Happy to give you two answers if you want. But the person that came to mind is Mia Austin. Ooh, so yes. she um, had an ankle injury last year. She's only 19, but she's built like an absolute, I don't know what I can say online. but <laughs> you, are, on, allowed on air, to, but you are allowed to swear on this. We've had some. <laughs> she's, well, anyway, she's a beast. Um, <laughs> so she, yeah, and I've been doing a bit of, we've been doing a bit of sort of forwards V back stuff together, mm. some one-on-one stuff. Um, and so she's someone I'm really excited to see once she, she'll have a sort of full preseason under her belt. Um, and and she's played a bit of VFL as well because she missed la- most of the games last season. So she's someone I think will be she'll, she's a really good contested mark, um, and she's also just always willing to learn and add layers to her game. So she's someone I'm really excited to see break the game open this year, break the competition open. Yeah, very nice. That's exciting. Um, yeah. We always we always get such a good surprise when we ask these questions because uh, often or not they end up we look back at the end of the season uh, and they're right. So that's a, that's yeah. a very juicy one. <laughs> awesome. Um, look, well, we might wrap it up there. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us. Um, really appreciate it. And we're excited to watch Carlton have a awesome season eight. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed the chat. And yeah, watch, watch this space because we're doing something special for sure.